The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. Well, here we are, first week in the new year. And uh, my name is Mara Young, and I recognize some familiar faces and see a lot of new faces. And uh, I'm part of the Sangha here. I'm one of the old-timers and uh, part of the Dharma community for many years and also have a psychotherapy and meditation center where I integrate and blend these teachings. And I teach mindfulness-based stress reduction and meditation as an adjunct faculty at several places around town, University of Minnesota and other places. So I'm really delighted to be here with all of you. And uh, and I'm, I'm still recovering from uh, a couple weeks of that cold flu. Anybody had that going on? So, um, and I might mention that later. That's always a challenge to practice when you feel rotten. Um, so today's uh, talk, um, I, I uh, gave it a long title. It's very hard for me to make it concise. I drive Tom crazy with this longer title. Um, this is, I'm calling it the grace of beginnings, releasing expectations with heartfulness and acceptance. I'd like to start with a, one of the Buddha's teachings that really um, has moved my heart and is the core of what this practice is about. To quote the Buddha, the reason for my teaching is not for merit or good deeds or good karma or concentration or rapture or even insight. None of these is the reason that I teach, but the sure heart's release. This, and this alone, is the reason for the teaching of a Buddha. The sure heart's release. So letting go. The whole path is about letting go and freeing the heart. Letting go of all those expectations we have of ourselves, our ego clinging, all the things that may be even near and dear to us. Eventually we have to let go of everything to be free. John O'Donohoe um, is an Irish poet, and he talks about um, beginning anew, and that our practice is really letting go, not just as a whole, but moment to moment, and day-to-day uh, -day of letting go of how we think other people should be, of how we think our life should look, of how things should be according to our plans and expectations. And, and sometimes people react to that because it doesn't mean that we're powerless. Actually, the more we let go, the more empowered we are to respond fully present in the moment and we can make choices and wholesome intentions. John O'Donohoe invites us to, with this kind of letting go of beginning. And I encourage you to just see what this brings up for you. For a new beginning, in the out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming 
waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave that which you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the great promises that someone sameness whispered, the great promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, and wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight, the delight when your courage kindled and you stepped out into new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning. That is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease and risk. Learn to find ease and risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm, for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Soon you will be at home in a new rhythm. John Kabat-Zinn says that the word for mind and heart in the Asian um, languages are the same. So when we hear, hear the word mindfulness, we have to inwardly also hear heartfulness. Heartfulness, in order to grasp it, is even a concept, and especially is a way of being. So what to live in a heart with heartfulness is to be mindful. And to live with an open heart is a constant process of letting go and beginning anew. So every day is a new year. Every moment is a new year. How many of you would like to continue to hold on to your expectations? <laughs> Maybe just, just Philip Moffat that there's a longer reflection and actually a whole practice around letting go of the tyranny of expectations. Because sometimes we confuse intention and some of our wholesome um, you know, goals and plans that we may have with these, often these expectations. Um, we, we often think, well, I don't have expectations. I'm open to the moment. And I'll give you a good example of this happening in my life um, recently. Um, not that it doesn't happen every day. Um, whether it's like I really want that hot, that hot cocoa I made last night to taste really good, and it doesn't quite. <laughs> that good cup of coffee. Um, so, so when we have these expectations, they they often kill our capacity to just accept ourselves and our life as it is. So this is where um, acceptance comes in. 
I was on a um, month-long retreat that was non-residential um, late this fall. And it happened to be out east. And um, I kind of expected that it would be cold and the weather could be blustery. And I debated whether to take my Minnesota parka or not. And instead, I brought layers and vests and scarves and a couple of pairs of long johns. And it ended up to be fairly pleasant for a while. And while I was there, fortunately, not a direct hit of Hurricane Sandy, but the weather changed. And it outdid any of my expectations <laughs> for 75 mile an hour winds. And we actually were told, um, as the winds were whipping up at the evening teachings, to not come into the center the next day unless and they would somehow communicate this to us if something had changed. But we ended up um, practicing at home all day and not going in because of the uh, hurricane winds. And then the weather continued to be pretty crazy. And uh, we had a couple of northeasterners blow through. And there were days where um, it was dangerous to walk outside because, um, you know, falling branches and things like that. Fortunately for us, it was very minimal damage where we were. And, and I learned later coming out of the retreat of the degree of devastation and suffering that had happened on the East Coast. But there was this expectation, like we can't control the weather. So this, this for me, this retreat, is it, I was also, um, it was a non-residential retreat when I'm usually used to doing longer retreats in a residential place where you're being fed and taken care of. And all you have to do, like many of you, maybe you've done retreats here at Common Ground, is sit with your own heart and mind, you know, which is very difficult anyway on its own. But this retreat was more like a being in life retreat. Um, I, some friends and I from the Midwest, we, we um, stayed together in this house that was a couple of miles from where teachings were held once or twice a day. And then the rest of the time, we were supposed to be on a self-retreat with the home practice. Well, I was on retreat with a family with a young child. And they were trying to juggle childcare and everything while they were also trying to practice and be on retreat. And it required preparing our meals and grocery shopping and all kinds of things. So um, it was very, very challenging. And this um, house that looked so beautiful online and looked like a piece of heaven and was way over our price range that we stretched and stretched and light and wood and glass and in the woods and beautiful was a complete um, echo chamber like uh, living in a cave. And any little sound, somebody could be stirring a cup of tea in the kitchen. And it'd be like they were banging on your head while you were in the, your little room. Um, let alone that my friends like to make, brought their super duper uh, vegematic uh, <laughs> weather. And that our schedules were completely opposite. So I'd be getting up and ready to take my seat. And then their young child would be up 
running around, and then they'd start with the blender and the breakfast and everything at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. So I have a little poem I'd like to share part of that to give you a feel. And, and I also, when I talk about acceptance, that, that this poem came near the end of the month. Um, there were other challenges as well within the container of this retreat that I won't bore you with, but it was very, very different outside of my Vipassana, pristine, silent retreat experience. I mean, really different. And um, so after struggling, I mean, I would be sitting there, and you'll get the flavor from this, really like, okay, I should be able to let go. I should be able to be and accept this. And that wasn't the case. I was often filled with a lot of frustration, aversion, difficulty. And we couldn't fit at the meditation center because it was actually a yoga center. And so they had classes in between. So we had to leave and go home. And sometimes you couldn't even go out for a walk because of the weather. So it was a really interesting experience in feeling kind of trapped. <laughs> so um, after struggling with this, and you'll get a feel for it, um, and, and, uh, is that um, there was this letting go that happened. And, uh, and, the, and the, the, this poem came out of that. And, uh, and, and it's when this difficult situation became my perfect teacher. So this is called My Perfect Teacher. My perfect teacher, my perfect teacher is barely four feet tall. She wakes before dawn and runs through the house, a dancing and singing bikini. She bursts into song, her high sweet voice and laughter like yak bells echo throughout the mountains and the valleys for cultists. After breakfast, she transforms into a whining wind horse. Piercing mantras cut veils of delusion as I sit on my zafu practicing undistracted on meditation. She flies away for the day. By nightfall she returns and I welcome her with prostrations. A sweet smell like a butter lamp emanates from her skin and her radiant face, long golden hair shining. My heart fills with bliss. Some nights, in the tradition of great masters, she tests me, <laughs> transmuting into a wrathful demon, raging as if tormented in hot hells, a realm of insatiable desires. Pra as I was practicing, attacked by all the clashes, all the hindrances, my mind screams, just like her demon. And I remind myself that anything, anything can arise within the space of awareness. She seems to know my mind. Wherever there is any bliss or cozy dharma, she shouts or hits my door with her shoe. My perfect teacher teaches me all of the paramitas, all the perfections of the heart so well. Patience, diligence, perseverance concentration, compassion, equanimity, and so forth. When she moves all the furniture in the house, laying bare the ground, she teaches impermanence, pointing out emptiness. Tonight, smiling, she races towards me with a big embrace and melts into light. 
and dissolves into me. O'Donohoe says, when love awakens in your life in the night of the heart, it is like the dawn breaking within you. Where there was anonymity, there is now intimacy. Where there was fear, there is now courage. Where before in your life there was awkwardness, now there is a rhythm of grace and gracefulness. Where before you used to be jagged, now you are elegant and in rhythm with your new self. When love awakens in your life, it's like a rebirth, a new beginning. We do not need to go out and find love. We need to be still and let love discover us. So in that poem, literally, literally, after several days of wrestling and being with this and having this opening to recognizing that this was the perfect conditions for teaching, for awakening, for expanding my practice. No, nothing else other than you know, letting go of those expectations and really accepting it as it was. Um, I came out of my room, which had a sliding door with no insulation, and I uh, slid off out of my like cave door. And I came out, and the, and the child and I, and I love her dearly, she, she, we were kind of keeping our space. She knew it was a retreat. She's hot. She's uh, five years old. And she literally got up from the table where she was sitting, and she did run toward me and embrace me. It literally happened. And then after that, they could blend. They could bang, they could scream, and I actually, on the last day that I was sitting, I knew I would miss her, her morning routine at 6 a.m. when she'd get up and start running through the house like a little thundering horse, you know, and singing on top of her lungs, spontaneous songs. I'm so happy, I love this day, mommy, that, you know, it's just amazing, and I actually missed it. So, acceptance. I'll just say a little bit more about that, and I'll, I'll open it up in a few minutes. So, Acceptance, living a heartfulness, letting go of expectations, acceptance. Um, Dr. Amit Sood, we're so fortunate, is at the Mayo Clinic, and he is um, the director of their integrative mind-body medicine program. And he developed this program called AIT, sounds very it has all this neuroscience and scientific backup. And it's train your brain, engage your heart, transform your life. And it's basically enhancing and using mindfulness, attention, to cultivate more peace, joy, resilience, and love in your life. And so people are literally, eight, eight, I think it's 8,000 or 80,000. Thousands of people at the Mayo have taken this program, including staff. And they're going down the halls of the clinic, sending gratitude, and they're being kinder people at home with their families and, and, and living this. So I thought, you know, it's always good to bring this down to very practical. So his, his uh, definition is what of acceptance is. Acceptance is a combination of these four aspects. Objectivity, flexibility, pursuit of truth, and willingness. Objectivity is our ability to minimize our bias. You know, we, we work with this as meditators, you know, our, 
our preferences, our desires, our ideas. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm in a 30-plus year relationship, marriage, and, you know, it just, it just doesn't work if you don't start accepting, you know, your partner, yourself, um, and, and softening around that. So, so our biases, acceptance entails deepening and sustaining attention, delaying our interpretations and their judgments. Flexibility is an inner flexibility of our mind processes. The willingness offers flexibility to your thought and behavior. It's critical to learning, to adapting. And then wisdom and pursuit of truth. Searching for and collecting knowledge that's closer to the truth. Sometimes a lot of us, and I see this sometimes um, in teaching, people think they already know. I know I've thought that, get kind of arrogant. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. I know it, I know it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the willingness and the capacity to let go and be, I don't know, or what new can I learn in this situation? You know, I could sit there the whole time and say, this isn't a good retreat. How could they set it up this way? Why is this? It's like, okay, this is how it is. This is the best retreat. And you know, now that I'm back, I wouldn't trade it couldn't pay for a retreat to bring that much stuff up to the <laughs> Well worth the money. So, so he gives us some tips on how to cultivate acceptance. And I think one of, now I can't remember if this is my tip is, or his, and I'll, I'll, I want to give you time to talk here. But um, where are those tips? Um, but the tip, one of the tips is, is, um, and we learn it in our meditation practice, and it's one that always can help us press the restart button. And what is that? It's the pause. Just pause. Just, just that moment of drop, of pause, of rest. So just that one practice is a practice of deep acceptance, of just being with what it is. We can keep it really, really simple and practical. So. He had a little laundry list that was really great. And I'm having, I know I bookmarked it. And it is evading me. So I'm going to let you come up with your own <laughs> list. Um, and I'd like to close um, with another evening and then open it up. For what are those other ways to um, open to acceptance? I, I also want to just briefly mention for those of you that would like to take on a practice, this is maybe another practical tip. I guess they do this once a month at Plum Village, that they actually have a beginning a new meditation practice. If we had another half an hour, we could go through it together. It's very, very beautiful practice where you call on the refuges and you, you release some of those pieces around your own actions of ignorance and greed and negativity and ill will, and then you open up and begin anew again with forgiveness. So beginning a new practice is on the web, and I highly recommend that. That's another way, and we have that full moon, is it the new moon ceremony? where we, we let go, we let go of things. And actually at the end of our retreat, 
Um, we did that as a group. The teacher guided us in letting go of all that might have been accumulated over the month. So let's close. Listening to the bell, I feel the afflictions in me beginning to dissolve. My mind calm, my body relaxed. A smile is born upon my lips. Following the sound of the bell, my breath brings me back to the safe island of mindfulness. In the garden of my heart, the flowers of peace bloom beautifully. like to open up for a few minutes before the kids come in. We literally have a few minutes. So, so and if you have any tips on what helps you let go, live more heartfully with acceptance, feel free. Yes. that people be the way that we think they should be or behave, 
I think how we hold that versus like what are just some human basic things. And then I think if we're true to ourselves and say, you know, this is this is what I'm aware of. This is how I feel. Or when you do this, this is what happens. You know, I think this way of being speaking mindfully from our hearts and then opening up to the possibility. And of course, we, we want to have certain expectations about how we treat one another as human beings. So I think how we define the word expectations or use it, you know, if it's if it's expectations or it's next basic kind of needs. Um, so does it? I don't know if that that kind of helps. It's not an all or nothing type of thing. But I think we know when it's those kinds of expectations that are about you know control and versus healthy um, ways of it being. Actually, there's a practice 
with Vipassana where you literally stand there and see if you can do walking meditation without an intention. It's just, I mean, if we don't intend, if the, there isn't this, it doesn't happen. So, so in a sense, we're, we're, this is where intention is so important. Like, where, where are we directing us? Most of us have an untrained mind and heart, and that's why you see a lot of misery, is we're not, we might have goals, we might have plans, we might have a lot of expectations of what we should achieve or do, or all of this, or how we should be a good mother or parent or worker, but we don't necessarily have a clear or pure intention. Like, you know, like my intention is to live with a mindfully with an open heart. It's different from I should be da-da-da-da-da, you know, or I need to da-da-da-da-da. So this intention is more of our pole star. It's more of like where we're directing our heart and mind. And um, um, I want to develop more of those paramitas, more of those um, qualities of the heart that's setting an intention. The expectation would come in where it's like, um, oh, your, your practice is no good. Um, you're not doing it well enough. But we often get into judging with expectations. We're not measuring up. So again, with language. So I think finding the language that works you, like when you think of it, like is that a good word for me, expectations? Maybe it is. But if my heart gets tight and I feel pressure, then that's not so healthy. If I think about my intention and where I'm directing, what where the path is, you know, and I keep beginning again, no matter how many times I fall off. So, uh, how about any, anyone else want to speak to that? Yeah. Uh, Lincoln had a nice little finish on that. He said that if you have the expectation that you're only going to go north, you might get stuck in a swamp. <laughs> to get to the north, you can go around the swamp. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Great wisdom. Are the kids ready? Oh, okay. Great. Bring them in. Bring in that those joyful laughter. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>